0: Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. It is great to be here this morning, uh, and it's great to be back here at Gateway. Uh, As Derek said, um, it's been a little while. Uh, my name, if you don't know me, my name is Tim. Uh, if I haven't said g'day to you yet, g'day. It's, uh, it's uh, nice to meet you. Um, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, excuse me, I got a bit of a cough this morning. Uh, a few weeks ago, I started as the campus pastor here at Mackenzie. Uh, and before we jump any further, I just want to say a huge thank you to Andrew Sercombe, who has uh, been standing in that gap for, for most of this year and leading the team and, and leading the, uh, the congregation here. And, uh, he's already left the building, like uh, he's, uh, he's off now, this week he's at, uh, he's at Redlands, preaching down at Redlands, and I know he's not here, but I reckon he might be able to hear us if we give him a big uh, round of applause. So would you thank Andrew for us? <coughs> it's been great connecting with uh, so many familiar faces and friends over the past few weeks and, uh, uh, and meeting many new people. Uh, For those who don't know, uh, Lauren and I were here um, a few years ago serving as youth pastors. Uh, I was on team here looking after the youth and then the young adults ministry for seven years. Um, And uh, and for the last three and a half years, we've been working with a Christian ministry called Timothy Hill Ranch in Long Island, New York. Now, the focus of that ministry is providing residential services to at-risk youth and young adults helping young people who are aging out of foster care or on the streets or actually coming out of jail a second chance at life. Loving them and providing a holistic Christian community uh, where they can grow, finish their education, work through their struggles and and be trained to become uh, workers and contributors to society. And for two and a half of those uh, years, we were house parents. Lauren and I were mum and dad to up to four young adult women at a time, uh, and we saw some incredible stories where Jesus transformed lives through love as these young people would come through uh, our home. And uh, throughout that time, I also worked in the admin side of the organization, uh, right alongside the executive director, using some of the skills I picked up in business school to, uh, to help um, the organization go from, from one campus with a seasonal kind of extension to uh, four campuses in four different states. Uh, it was really an, an awesome time. Uh, thank you, my friend. Cheers, Alan. Appreciate it. Uh, it was an awesome time. God blessed us while we are over there, and, and I believe He used us to bless others. Uh, but He's called us home. Uh, and he's called us to be back. And, uh, and we're now back here committed to this community, uh, the Mackenzie campus at Gateway Baptist Church. And thank you for your welcome. Uh, it's been really a blessing to have so many people say, oh, it's great to have you back and, and all that sort of stuff. We're getting settled. Our kids are at school and, and kindy and all that kind of stuff. It's going to take a little bit more time to really uh, put our roots down. So this morning, I want to talk about commitment. I want to talk about the commitment that God calls us to make to Christian community. And I want to do that through the lens of the very first leader of the church, the Apostle Peter. If you've been here over the last few weeks, it wasn't our plan, but we would have heard a lot about this guy, Peter. You know, Peter was the fisherman who threw his nets back into the water one more time because Jesus asked him to. Peter was the man who left all that fishing behind when he pulled in that monster load of fish and decided to follow Jesus. Peter was there when uh, when Jesus fed the multitudes with five loaves and two fish, and Peter was the one who stepped out of the boat and walked across the water to meet Jesus. Peter followed Jesus faithfully, seeing all of his miracles, hearing all of his teaching firsthand. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned Peter to be the first leader of the community of believers. Peter was the first one to preach the gospel when God first sent his spirit on the disciples. Peter led the team, led the disciples, teaching people and, and healing people just as Jesus had done. Peter was the one who was hauled in front of the authorities to explain why the city of Jerusalem was, had, been, had seen so many people come to put their trust in Jesus. And Peter was the leader of those early believers. In the Catholic tradition, Peter is seen as the first pope, the first leader of of Christ's church. And Towards the end of his life, after uh, preaching the gospel and leading the communities of believers and getting around and helping the plant and and encourage churches, uh, Peter wrote two letters to encourage the Christian communities scattered out uh, across the known world. And those letters still encourage Christian communities around the world today. This morning I'm believing that Peter's words, which he wrote close to 2,000 years ago, will be a blessing and an encouragement to us, the Christian community of Gateway Baptist Church here in Mackenzie. And we're going to read from uh, from Peter's first letter to the church this morning, so if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, the words are going to appear up on the screen as well. But keep in mind, Peter is writing this at the end of his life, and he's addressing Christian communities throughout Asia Minor with the hope that Jesus' return is imminent. This letter would have been carried from church to church and read out to those different communities as they gathered. Chapter 4 begins with Peter warning his audience about the attitudes and behaviours of those that don't follow Jesus. And then in verse 7, Peter outlines an alternative vision for what it means to live in Christian community. He writes this... The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you might pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the the very words of God. And if anyone serves... They should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> this is Peter's vision for Christian community, a community that eagerly and prayerfully awaits Jesus' return. Peter's vision for Christian community is, is countercultural, that the lifestyle is very different from those who didn't follow Jesus and those that he's just been talking about. Peter's blueprint for Christian community is a radical departure from the prevailing attitudes of the day. And I think there are three challenges for us still today, over two, around 2,000 years later, as we think about what our Christian community, our church here in Mackenzie looks like. The first challenge that Peter gives us is that Christian community must operate on love. He says, above all, above all, Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love must be the foundation of Christian community. Love is what drives and sustains Christian community. Love is the currency of Christian community. And how is that love expressed? Peter says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality. You know, Peter is saying by extending the hand of friendship by inviting people to share life together, by welcoming strangers into your circle and sharing your life with them, that's how you show love. Peter is echoing Jesus' life. You know, Jesus welcomed everybody who he came into contact with. He welcomed the men, the women, and the kids. He welcomed the poor and the rich. He welcomed the religious and the outcasts. He welcomed them all because of his love for them. Peter is challenging the Christian communities that he is writing to, He's writing to us and he's challenging us as a church today that we must create a radical, loving, welcoming environment that enables people to feel at home regardless of their background, regardless of their appearance, or their history. He's calling us to love one another. When I was the awkward age uh, of 13, my family moved up to Brisbane from Melbourne. Uh, It was a whole new world up here. We didn't know anybody, nothing was familiar, and there was this strange phenomenon in the sky that we didn't have in Melbourne called the sun. Uh, Anyway, I landed in a a new school uh, at the start of grade nine, feeling shy, uncertain, and and very much alone. In fact, for the whole first week of school, I hardly said boo to anyone. It seemed my my classmates were already established in their friendship groups. Uh, I didn't know where to sit at lunchtime, and and uh, I didn't know the culture. <clears throat> in the second or third week, the school had a, a free dress day. Uh, you know what they are, you can kinda go to school, you pay your gold coin and you can wear whatever you want. The uniform goes out the window for the day and you can choose to wear what you want. Now uh, around that time in the 90s, <clears throat> there's some really bad fashion, uh, I hate to say it, uh, but baggy jeans were all the rage amongst my friends uh, in Melbourne. Uh, You may remember them, I'm not going to embarrass you by sticking your hand up and saying I own a pair of these, but they were were cool for about three minutes. Uh, They were these hugely oversized pants uh, that honestly looked completely ridiculous, Uh, but all my friends in Melbourne had a pair, and I'm ashamed to say that I had a pair as well. Uh, So free dress day came, and I pulled out these baggy pants, because I want to be cool and fit in, and I proudly wore them to school. Uh, But pride quickly turned to shame. Uh, in a school of around 1,000 boys, there would have been two, maybe two other kids who were wearing jeans like this. Uh, and having just arrived in the state, uh, I hadn't fully comprehended that this was a rugby school, you know, a game I didn't really know anything about. And so ruggers and jerseys and polo shirts were, uh, were the sensible fashion choices of the day. So you can imagine that I stood out like a sore thumb. Uh, you know, in class, my, my classmates sat even further away from me than normal. Uh, people were laughing at me and looking at me in, in weird ways and pointing at me. And I even remember this is, this is traumatic. I remember as I was getting books out of my lunch, out of my locker at lunchtime, these grade 12 kids came over and they said, We never want to see that again. Whew, welcome to Queensland. It was so awkward. Uh, and I, I felt so embarrassed um, because I was out of place. I didn't understand how to operate within this new uh, community. Uh, fortunately, a few of the, the kids in my class looked past my, uh, my fashion choice. Uh, and after the first week or two of school, they invited me into their group. And actually yesterday, uh, we had our 20-year reunion and I almost made a fashion faux pas again. I was going to wear a T-shirt and I was just I was about to walk out of the, the, the route of the house. Laurie said, no, nah, just put a button-up shirt on. And gee, I'm glad I did. There's only one other person wearing a T-shirt. Would have made that mistake all over again. <clears throat> but my point is that walking into a new community can be a little bit awkward. You don't know what's going on sometimes. You're not sure how everybody operates. I want you to think back to the first time you came to this church. Maybe that was decades ago, or maybe it was just last week, or even today. If it's today, welcome. It's great to have you here. But you didn't know where to park. You didn't know where to sit. You might not have really understood how everything worked. Because new environments can sometimes be a little bit awkward. So there's a responsibility on on the rest of us who have been here for a little bit to, to, to offer our hospitality, to love, to do whatever we can do to make the community more comfortable, less awkward and ultimately super welcoming. One of our values as a church is that we are a growing family where everyone is welcome. And you've heard it said hopefully many times that everybody who walks through these doors here is welcome. And creating a culture of welcome is not just up to the pastoral team or the welcome team. Peter would say that we all have a role to play. We all have a role to play in showing hospitality and helping people find a home and to do it all without grumbling or whinging. See, the the currency of Christian community is love. And the challenge here is to do our part, to contribute our part, maybe by reaching out to someone that we don't know or inviting somebody out to lunch after church or even getting involved with our welcome team or our section community team to help people feel welcome and find their place. We've all got a role to play in loving, welcoming and sharing hospitality with those who are looking to be part Of this community. The second challenge that Peter gives us is that Christian community is not all about us. He calls us to be contributors to Christian community through sacrificial service. A number of years ago I uh, I was part of a Toastmasters club. Toastmasters was set up to provide uh, a place for people to network and develop their public speaking skills. Although I'd been to Bible school and had been a youth pastor for a little while, I wanted to further develop my, my skills and, and interact with people from different walks of life. So I uh, went to my local Toastmasters club and uh, started attending meetin- meetings regularly. It was, a, it was a good community to be a part of. There were some great people there uh, and, uh, and it, it was good fun, but ultimately it had a very inward focus. You see, the focus of that community was, it's all about me people came in and out of that community to meet their own needs. Some joined to grow their skills, uh, to be able to give a a, a wedding speech. Others uh, looked to improve their ability to sell. Others were looking for social connections. While I enjoyed being part of that community and I certainly grew through it, it was very much all about me and having my needs met. But Christian community is more than that. Christian community is not all about me. Being part of a Christian community, being part of a church, is not just something you sit back and watch. Look at what Peter says in in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 4. He says, Each of you, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Peter says that each of us in the church have a role to play. We've all received gifts from God, and that these gifts are to be used to serve others within the church, to build the church up. We are not here to be merely consumers of the community, but we're called to be contributors through our service. So you can be a consumer of Christianity without ever stepping into a church. You can listen to the best Christian speakers from around the globe every morning on your, uh, on your commute to work through, uh, through podcasts. You can consume the newest worship music as you, uh, as you vacuum the house or mow the lawn. You can even access 2,000 years of, of Christian thought and the latest in Christian literature right in your iPad. Humanity has never before had such unheralded access to Christian content. And while this is awesome, one of the traps that we can fall into is that we can start to think that that's what church should be like every time I turn up on Sunday. You know, if the preacher isn't witty enough or deep enough, if the worship band doesn't really quite gel or the song choices and not what we like, we can get critical and ultimately we can get cynical about what church is all about. But God's vision for Christian community, God's dream for the church is that it's not something to consume, it's something to contribute to. Peter says to his readers in their Christian communities, and he says to us today, each of you should use whatever gift God has gifted you with to serve others. Our contribution to Christian community is service. Whatever God has gifted you with, whatever he has placed on your heart, whatever he has given you a love for, you can contribute to this community by putting your gifts into action and serving others. Here at Gateway, there's plenty of opportunities uh, for for you to do just that. If you love meeting new people, you can can join the welcome team. If you love hospitality, you can be part of the coffee shop. If you uh, love seeing people come to know Jesus, then Alpha is a great ministry to be involved with. If you've got a compassionate heart and just want to love people practically, you can serve at the care centre. If you've got a heart for the nations, you can meet with Carolyn and Jason and, and be part of Gateway Beyond. If you love praying for God to move powerfully, uh, then you can join our Sunday prayer team. If your gift is is caring for people, you can be a section leader. If you've got a heart for seeing people grow, you can become a life group leader. If you love tech stuff, you can join the production team. If your gift is musical, you can be part of the worship team. If you've got a heart for young people, we've got amazing kids and youth ministries you can get involved with and serve within. There are so many ways for you to use your gifts and contribute to church, contribute to this Christian community so that you're not just consuming. And you know what? The church needs you. The church needs its body to be strong. Throughout the New Testament, there are a number of metaphors used to describe the church, and one of the most common is uh, the metaphor of the body. In Romans 12, Paul writes, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. See, just as our bodies are made up of different parts, arms, legs, head, uh, the church is made up with different people with different gifts. Each one of us is created created uniquely with individual gifts and individual contributions that we must bring to serve one another. The church becomes healthy and strong when we all play our part. We all have a contribution to make. We're not just to sit back and watch. God calls us to serve so that our community is healthier and stronger. It's really easy to get involved to serve. You can just scratch your details on a connect card that you'll find in the seat in front of you and drop it in at the welcome desk on your way out. Someone will get in touch with you and help you find a place to get involved and, and, and a place to serve. But the reality is that we are called to be contributors. And our our contribution to Christian community is service. The the final truth that Peter makes clear in this passage is what the outcome of Christian community is. After telling us that we've got a responsibility to love one another, we've got a responsibility to sacrificially serve one another, Peter tells us to what end. He tells us the why. He, He explains why we do all this. And he says in verse 11, he says we do all this so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The Christian community exists so that God is praised through Jesus Christ. The consequence of Christian community is that God is glorified. And I can't think of a better way that God is glorified than when we celebrate what Jesus has done in changing someone's life. I love it that here at Gateway, when someone stands in that baptistry and, uh, and shares their story and, and gives glory to God for how Jesus has changed their lives, when they go under the water and then come back, the whole congregation bursts into applause. There's no prompting for that, no direction for that. People just clap and applaud what Jesus has done what Jesus has done in changing someone's heart and securing their future with him in heaven. God is glorified, and the consequence of Christian community is God's glory. And that happens as Jesus changes lives. As I said before, for the last three and a half years, we've been part of a different Christian community in the US, a community where Jesus is also changing lives. I want to share with you this morning the story of a young lady who lived with us for around a year and a half. Uh, her name is Algina, and, and she left a huge impact on the hearts of all of our family my, my wife, myself, and our kids. <clears throat> Algina came to the, uh, the organization, she came to Timothy Hill Ranch uh, out of a, a youth detention facility. In fact, one night we were watching a TV show, It's called Scared Straight. And uh, they go into jails and interview people with the hope that the audience that is watching will be scared straight and won't do some of the things that have landed people in jail. And we were sitting there watching one night and they were interviewing this young lady in, a, in an orange suit and Algina jumps up and says, there I am. She was in the background in this jail that they'd been interviewing this, uh, this lady at. So she came from a rough background. She, and the reason she was in jail was that she'd been jumping around from group home to group home because her family had broken, broken down. And the last group home that she was in, she actually hit and assaulted one of the, uh, one of the staff members. And so as a result, the state put her in, uh, in jail for a little while. So you can imagine our joy when we heard that we were going to have somebody in, into our family who, uh, who punched uh, one of their previous uh, house moms or house dads. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it was such an incredible experience. When uh, Algina first came into our house, uh, she hardly said boo. She was like me in my first week of school. She was really angry at the world. She walked around in a huff, uh, and she didn't really want to engage at all. But the ranch has a huge focus on welcome, on hospitality, on loving people. So everybody went out of their way to welcome Algina in. You know, we, uh, we hung out with her, her social workers, her, uh, her, her counsellors, everybody kind of got around her and tried to, to crack that nut. But the thing that ultimately uh, started breaking down the walls was our kids. Uh, our kids were doing ministry as they were just playing and involving Algina, uh in that. And that actually became the way that she opened up to us. And she said later that she she just couldn't understand. She thought everybody was weird. She was overwhelmed by the fact that everybody loved her, everybody cared for her, and everybody tried welcoming, welcoming her into this community. She couldn't make sense of God's love. She didn't know what to do with it, but over time, you could just see that this love began wearing down the walls. And she started accepting the help that she was offered. Uh, we, As I said, we welcomed her into our home, we shared meals with her, we loved on her, the kids played with her, and we tried to be faithfully love her as Christ would love her. <clears throat> Sometimes there was some tough love, but we always tried to help her realise that she was loved no matter what. And it, and it made an impact, as we kind of, a few years later, kept talking with her, she said that in other places, staff just let her be alone but she said that Laurie particularly would always come and check in on her, always write her an encouraging note or a a scripture, a Bible verse to let her know that she wasn't doing this journey alone. Throughout her time with us and and at the ranch, we took her to church. Uh, We helped her connect into a youth group and, and she loved attending youth groups regularly on Wednesday nights. God really opened her eyes to him and she encountered a God who loved her as well as his people who loved her as well. And one morning, she responded to the gospel at church and decided to trust in Jesus. Throughout the ranch, she was connected into schooling. Uh, She was helped to catch up on the semesters she had missed. She learned how to work hard. She picked up a job in the community, and the the counsellors and the social workers helped her work through her challenges and help her work on the family relationships that had been so broken. It took the whole community, everyone serving and playing their part, But through these 16 months that Algina was with us, Jesus changed Algina's life. The girl that came in was not the same girl that left. Eventually, as Algina's relationship with her family was restored, she went back to live with them. She graduated high school and today she is now attending college full-time to become a social worker. Because she wants to help other people in the way that she was helped. She works at Walmart and was recently promoted to manager. And, uh, and the broken relationships that she's got with her family, although she says there's still work to be done, are a whole lot better. I just chatted with her the other day and I actually tried to get her a story on video and the technology didn't work for her, sadly. But she said that she was just so thankful to have been part of a community that loved her. So thankful that God put her at Timothy Hill. And she knows that she's still got a way to go, but she says she still prays every day And she's growing in a relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus changes lives. And when he does that, God gets all the glory. When Christians love and welcome people into community, when Christians serve each other sacrificially, Jesus changes lives and brings glory to himself. We had a a really amazing time being part of that community on Long Island. We spent three and a half years there and it was such a blessing to be involved. We also served in our local church and enjoyed that so that when Jason, our senior pastor, got in touch with us, he really set the cat amongst the pigeons when he invited us to kind of come back and apply for this campus pastor role. We really had to wrestle as a family whether we were ready to come home, whether we were ready to commit again to this community. And to be honest, it was a struggle. God had really grown both me and our family through our time together and I had a significant voice in the organisation and we were seeing lives changed. Was God calling us to move back home and make a commitment to a new community here? I ended up wrestling with God around that question for a good few months. At the end of last year, my, my parents invited us over to Germany to celebrate a European Christmas. They'd, they'd wanted to go to Europe for Christmas for years, and being that New York was much closer than uh, Australia, we decided to jump on a plane and, uh, and go and join them. And my prayer through those two weeks was that God would make my next step clear. Well, right towards the end of the trip, uh, we spent a day in a, in a small medieval town right on the western border of Germany. This little town was first established in the 1400s, or 1300s, the 14th century, and many of the buildings were hundreds of years old. At some point that morning, I found myself wandering into this beautiful old church building in the centre of town. It had been renovated and done up, and in uh, inside, it was Christmas time, so there were Christmas trees and lights and all sorts of, just, just light. It was uh, incredibly beautiful. And, and right there, you could tell that this church had a real heart to see people come to know Jesus. They uh, had a, a nativity scene there, and uh, here's a picture of my daughter standing in front of it, uh, and all those little red pieces of, pieces of paper are prayers that the people of that church had been praying for their friends, their family, to put their trust in Jesus. The, the German words in the, on the yellow sign say something like, the people who live in darkness see a great light. And it was really clear that this church had such a a heart for the lost. And as I wandered around and and prayed, I I sensed God say to me that this church has been a light in the community for hundreds of years. I've, I've called, God's saying, I've called people to lead this church over those years. And I've called people to lead my church over thousands of years, stretching back to Peter. Now I want you him. I want you to pick up the baton and join in that line of people who have built my church and call it to be a light to the world. God's, I really felt God impressing me at that moment saying, I want you to commit to serving the community at Gateway. And God, through that time, he answered my prayer. He made it clear that he, he wanted me to apply for the role and, and thanks to his grace and the generosity of the members here, we're, we're back and, and now we're committed to being here. Committed to this community. Peter challenges us all to be committed to Christian community. Be committed to loving one another. Be committed to serving one another. Be committed to seeing God be glorified. Peter saw firsthand how it worked. He was part of the earliest Christian community where believers first gathered together. And that community, they met together, they served one another, they prayed, they loved one another. And Peter saw hundreds and then thousands of people join in that community. He saw firsthand how Jesus changed lives. But Jesus is still in the business of changing lives today. You know, and I want to be part of a community where, uh, where Jesus is changing lives, I want to be part of a community where God is being glorified. I want to be part of a community where uh, people are putting their trust in Jesus and, and, and as their Lord and Saviour. And people are being set free from the sin that hinders them and the things that, so, that entangle them. And I want to see people coming to faith and standing in that baptistry over there saying, yes, I am committing to follow Jesus all the rest of my life. I want to be committed to that picture. And, and this morning, I hope you are too. This morning we're going to respond together as a community as we share communion. But before we do that, I want to ask at a personal level, are you committed to this community? Are you committed to do whatever you can do, to share love with people and welcome them in? Are you committed to serving sacrificially, using the gifts that God has given you? Are you committed to seeing Jesus change lives so that God gets the glory? Have you said, count me in and you can count on me? I know many of you are. Many of you are here faithfully every Sunday. Many of you are part of a life group. Many of you are serving on teams. And I want to say a huge thank you. A huge thank you. You know, the, the, the church is, ama- is an amazing community because of the, the people who serve so faithfully here. But perhaps you're here this morning and you haven't quite made that commitment yet. <coughs> Excuse me. You haven't made that commitment yet. You haven't quite said, yes, count me in. This morning I wanna challenge you to consider being a member at Gateway. Membership is is not a scary thing, it's not a daunting thing, it's not a complicated thing. Membership here is just simply a way of saying yes, this is my church community. This is where I'm gonna worship, this is where I'm gonna serve, you can count on me. This morning, uh, there's, as Derek mentioned before, you'll find some membership information on the barrels here at the, the front of the, uh, the, the room. You'll also find some out in the welcome desk. But this morning, if you haven't yet committed to being a member here, I want to invite you to pick up a booklet, have a read about what membership means at Gateway, and consider making that commitment to this community. This year, across all of our campuses, we've actually had around 75 people commit and saying, yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'm a member here. I, I want, this is where, this was my home, this is my community, this is where I'm going to serve. You can count on me. This morning, if you're not a member, I want to encourage you to add your commitment to theirs and say, so you can count on me. You can pick up those membership booklets down the front, as I mentioned, or, or at the back in the, uh, the welcome desk. And also this morning, as we close our service out, there is a, a corporate response there is a community response. And that is that we get to share communion together. Communion is a a simple meal that Jesus instructed His followers to share together as a reminder of His death and resurrection. When Jesus shared His last meal with His followers, He took some bread and, and after He gave thanks for it, He broke it. And He shared it with them saying, this is my body given for you. And each of the people in that room ate piece of that bread. A little later on in the evening, he took a cup of grape juice and told his disciples that this is my blood poured out for you. This is the blood that he poured out at the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And then they shared in that cup together. Throughout history, when Christians have gathered together, they've shared this meal as a a way of remembering and participating in Jesus' death and resurrection and rejoicing that Jesus has won the victory over sin and death. Today, we don't have one massive piece of bread to share together or a single cup that we're gonna pass around. But we do have the opportunity to, uh, to move to the tables here at the front and at the back to pick up a little piece of bread, pick up a little cup and remember what Jesus has done together as a community. This morning, as we think about what it means to be committed to Christian community. I want to challenge us to consider Jesus who made the ultimate commitment to us. That commitment of of dying on the cross, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We're going to spend a little bit of time doing that together. In a moment, I'm going to invite you down uh, to the front or up the back to, to pick up some of the bread and some of the juice. I'm going to ask you to take that back to your seats and just spend some time reflecting. And then uh, I'm going to pray for us all and then we're going to share in communion together. But as we do that, let's let's consider what it means to be committed, to committed to a community where Jesus is changing lives and God is being glorified. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.